0: Welcome to The Lens, hosted by Catalysis, where we get a glimpse inside healthcare organizations that are transforming to a culture of improvement to deliver continually higher-value outcomes for patients, staff, and communities. Visit createvalue.org slash thelens for more information about Catalysis. Welcome back to The Lens. I'm your host, Peter Mariahazi. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Lee Erickson, a longtime lean leader with experience in multiple healthcare organizations, to discuss how a daily management system can help you reduce the need for a full blown root cause analysis, RCA for short. Thank you for joining us today, Lee. Thanks for having me. Lee, to start us off, tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your experience as a lean leader in healthcare.
1: Yeah, this um, happened to me completely by accident. It certainly wasn't my plan when I left residency. I was teaching faculty in a family medicine program in Cleveland, Ohio and got my arm twisted to become the medical director of one of our larger, more dysfunctional community health center practices. I didn't know it at the time, but we had a CEO that was really interested in applying learnings from Toyota to healthcare. And he required all the directors to do these things called A3s to improve how the practices ran. And like a lot of docs, I was like, just kill me now until I realized it actually works. Um, And so I got busy learning everything that I could about this methodology and the culture change that needs to accompany it. And we turned that practice around in about 18 months And it became sort of the place to work. And patients were suddenly not angry at us anymore. They were like, what do do you mean, Dr. Erickson's ready to see me already? Usually, I have to wait 45 minutes. She's early? You know, it was just life changing. Um, And so I've been doing this kind of work for 20 something years now. And there's nothing quite like the joy in your colleagues eyes when they suddenly get it and say, wait, you're really going to let me try this? This is awesome. You know, I just, I love it. Yeah.
0: Thank you. That's, that's a great connection to both from the patient's perspective of, you know, reduced wait times and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. And, and your, your teammates, the staff had being able to say, Hey, I can do this. You've, you've made it very much the people part of it, which is, you know, the principles that we talk about. So, in a recent blog post, you contributed for a catalysis. You said that your daily management system is your patient safety program. Yeah. elaborate that on for a little <laughs> bit for us. So, you
1: know, when I look around the world at people who are doing this kind of healthcare transformation work, it struck me a while ago that people come to this place from a couple of different paths. So for me, Originally, it was a lean healthcare path. You know, we went from Cleveland to Southwestern Pennsylvania. I got to work with the Pittsburgh Regional Health Initiative and Toyota. And so I was really like lean healthcare change. And when I got to Philadelphia at the University of Pennsylvania, in addition to the process improvement, I had all the patient safety stuff too. I actually did in Pittsburgh for a little while as well. And I'm watching this going, wait, why are we having? daily huddles and, you know, cascading messaging systems and patient safety rounds. Like, isn't that excess processing waste? You know, I'm thinking from my lean lens. And it really struck me that while I think patient safety rounds are a fantastic way for leaders to talk to front lines and learn a little bit about what's going on, you know, having the C-suite drop in on your hospital floor once every 18 months is not gonna make your hospital floor safer. It has to be daily practice and it has to be in the hands of the people who are doing the patient care and all the supporting work around the patient care. And I wasn't seeing patient safety programs think in that way, like it's every day, all the time, and it needs to be from your front lines up with the leadership setting the vision, not the leaders down, not having the patient safety officer come in when you've hurt someone and do a big RCA. You've got to catch things further upstream. And so I started combining all of these functions into a single department and role and cross-trained my process improvement staff with the risk management staff, you know, because you can do a big RCA and figure out what all the causal factors are, but if you don't know how to do process improvement, what do you do next? Um, And it just felt really natural to me that you do this. I don't think I did it intentionally. It just sort of kind of made sense. Um, And then the other thing I got to do, you know, maybe about 10 years ago, we completely trashed our safety event reporting system at Penn and rebuilt a new one. And as I was sort of working with the team on that project, I kept thinking, this is a great tool to find problems like all the little pain points that make life harder for the staff. It took me a while to persuade our risk management people, yes, we want them to report the time lunch was late, even though it didn't hurt anybody because someday lunch might be late and cause a mix up in trays and we'll give somebody something they're allergic to. and. As people began to see this a little differently, we really started using our event reporting system as our problem finding system, our opportunity to make things better finding system. And so it just seemed to me you don't need a daily management system and a separate patient safety program. They are one and the same.
0: So it really sounds like a couple of points in your, in this journey of yours, Yeah, you've kind of backed into a couple of epiphanies going, wait, Mm -hmm. we can do this and and it can be better and faster and smarter and, and avoid waste, of course. So for others who are listening, what advice can you give on how to weave patient safety data into a daily management system?
1: Yeah. Um, If you think about it, your daily management systems already likely include safety and quality metrics. You know, most organizations, when they're really a little bit down the road with their daily management systems, have thought about data transparency and cascading goals and metrics throughout their organization. For me, it's as simple as you know, doing what Paul O'Neill did when he was the CEO at Alcoa safety comes first. It's always the first thing on the agenda. It's always the first metric on your dashboard that you're looking at so that it's front and center. Um, I've seen a number of organizations that even prioritize that in their problem solving cycles, that if you have a safety issue come up in your huddles, you really have to address it with something immediate, like a stop gap within 24 hours. And if you have a quality issue, which, for me is usually the second pillar, you have 48 hours and everything else can wait so that you really focus your attention on what's most risky for the patient and your staff. So choose metrics for your learning boards and put safety and quality first and second. You know, they they go together. Um, So we would do things like, you know, looking at our data across the organization and picking hot spots, you know, and patterns when we do the analysis. Well, this unit really seems to have an issue with falls. So that's the frontline metric in their daily huddles that they're going to look at for a while. And as they do continuous small incremental rapid cycle tests to improve their fall prevention program, you'll you should see it get better and eventually you can park that. Don't take your eyes off it completely, but then what's the next biggest priority? it's, it's relatively simple when you really think about it and your frontline staff can tell you which metrics keep them up at night. <clears throat> that's what should be on their mind first.
0: Well, that's some great insight. And we've heard that from several healthcare leaders <clears throat> in the country, that safety is first. If you take care of that first, other things start to just kind of cascade in of naturally. So yeah. Let's talk about, you know, root cause analysis, how do health how do healthcare teams avoid RCA overload as you term it? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, one of the things I found, every organization that I've helped begin this journey towards a daily management system, every time I've seen people's eyes kind of bug out when they learn to see problems with process, they start going, oh my God, we have to do a root cause analysis on that. Well, but nobody got hurt. Yeah, but they could have, you know, and your heads kind of explode. I, I can't fix everything at once. So you triage. Um, one of the things that we did in Philadelphia was really think carefully about how we wanted to spend the resources for root cause analysis because a really good one is very resource intense. You have to pull a lot of people away from their day job for a little bit of time to really talk to them and get them to reflect on what happened. You have to go and watch the processes where the event occurred. You, you, know, you really have to dig into your policies and the history of why things are the way they are at the moment. Um, and so you don't have the bandwidth to do very many. You know, I, I would need an army of thousands if I was gonna RCA everything in a hospital. So you triage and you choose the events first that an RCA is required by a regulatory body because you have no choice with those. Then you choose the events, maybe it's not required but you did actually hurt somebody and the risk of doing so again is relatively high. The one thing that we added to that top of the list priority that was new for people was events that could have caused serious harm or turned into a sentinel event that required an RCA, but it didn't because we just got lucky. No prevention on our part, man, we just missed that one. And most organizations don't do those because they're tired of all the RCAs they're trying to do. And they go, well, nobody got hurt, so it doesn't count. No, if you just got lucky, it counts. What you do then though, is you can shift down the other ones where you could have hurt somebody, but you actually prevented it on purpose. For example, you almost did the surgery on the wrong side of the patient, but your timeout caught it. Well, that's okay, your timeout is supposed to catch it. So why would you do an RCA on that? Sometimes I see organizations panicking. Well, it almost happened, so we have to do it. No, your safety check worked. You don't have to do it. (laughs) So you can begin to start crossing things off the list. But the real magic of having a daily management system and true continuous learning and improvement on your front lines is over time, you build up a group of managers and directors who know how to do this work. So when they have small events that make them uncomfortable, but they don't formally require an RCA. They weren't really terrifying. You can have them do something that we called an apparent cause analysis. Do a quick A3 on it. And, you know, for example, a number of years ago, one of the hospitals I was working in, and we had been doing a daily management system for about 18 months. One of our inpatient units had a patient fall and break a hip. And the team on that night had been doing small PDCA cycles on their floor, fixing stuff for a year or so now. So they immediately dug into it. Well, why did Mr. So-and-so fall? Well, here are the things that didn't go right. Right then and there, when everybody's memory is fresh, not four days later when the risk managers show up, but the people who actually were involved. And they realized his bed alarm never went off. Well, why didn't it go off? Well, it was broken. Why was it broken? Well, there aren't any more in the supply closet. Why not? I don't know. There's something the matter with the company that's supplying them to us. It's taken like three or four weeks to get them replaced when we lose them or break them. Well, they can't fix that on the front line. So it goes to the mid-morning management huddle. The chief nursing officer hears about it. She brings it to the C-suite huddle later in the day. I still remember this. Our CEO looked at the group of us and said, who has the contract with the bed alarm company. And our CFO who was hating this daily management stuff goes, oh, I guess that's me. And Gary says, Jim, I want you to call the guy, the CEO up and tell him what's going on and find out what's wrong. And it just so happened our supply company is a very lean shop. So the CEO actually answered the phone. He's, oh my God, I had no idea this was going on. Let me find out, I'll call you back. And by four in the afternoon, we had a commitment from the CEO. Here's a phone number, direct line, call us. I figured out what's wrong in our supply chain. We'll get it fixed. And in the meantime, if any of your nurses need an alarm, call this number and we'll deliver it in two hours. Goes back down the communication chain to the morning huddles and everybody knows how to get their bed alarms done. That didn't need a big root cause analysis. The frontline staff did an apparent cause, we can't get bed alarms and you're done. Very simple. And that is actually a very large volume of safety events in healthcare systems. And so once you have your frontline staff learning daily improvement, and you have a system for communication when you have to send a problem up the chain, suddenly all these things that you were trying to RCA to death aren't on your plate anymore.
0: Thank you for that prioritization (laughs) and that idea of an apparent cause analysis is a a neat concept. you know, you talk about when, when the frontline staff, when you get them to that point, so how do you leverage them to get to that point to improve safety so that instinctively, or at least intuitively, when something happens, they're thinking, okay, what can I do? And how do I address this? And, and how do you set that stage and environment?
1: <clears throat> it's actually not that hard, you know, because healthcare people, Even the kitchen staff and the environmental services staff, we all do this because we want what's right for our patients, all of us. And so if you frame your conversations in your daily management system from that point of view, people immediately understand what it is you're talking about. And if you've built your data foundation with those safety and even quality metrics first, people just begin doing it without realizing that's what they're doing because we all know that's the right thing to do.
0: Yeah. yeah. We've heard that a couple of times. That's why, that's why many people get into this, this field is because they want to help people. They want people to yeah. be safe and good. Thank you for that. So Lee, any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners for them to take away from this podcast?
1: You know, there is a leap of faith required to begin an organization on this journey you know people will look at you like I'm too busy I don't have time for a daily huddle every day and for, and if you're a manager or a director or a c-suite person forget two huddles a day you know as you're going up your chain and they'll tell you you know I don't have time to solve all these problems there's too many I need to take care of my patients so I would just leave people with Take the leap of faith because once you get going, your life actually gets easier, (laughs) you know, because you're looking at everything daily, if not multiple times a day, and working on safety and improvement in tiny increments. And gradually your workload begins to ease up. The burden of big safety event investigations begins to ease up. You can even see that you start getting better at your RCAs and investigations because you've learned to see the process more clearly. And so take the leap of faith, it's really worth it. And it will make everybody breathe a little easier when they go home at the end of their shift.
0: Lee, it's clear you, you, you really believe in this and I want to recognize you as being our inaugural individual Catalysis Healthcare Value Network member and launching that experiment. So thank you for that.
1: You're welcome. So far, it's been a lot of fun.
0: Great. And Lee, thank you so much for taking time with us to talk on the podcast. You're welcome. And thank you all for listening please visit createvalue.org to learn more about the Catalysis Healthcare Value Network and how your organization can join our community to learn, share, and connect with other healthcare organizations across the country. Stay tuned for more episodes designed to help healthcare leaders support their organizations on a journey to organizational excellence. Thank you for listening. Visit createvalue.org slash lens to learn more about how catalysis can inspire you to accelerate change in your organization.